Alleluia, alleluia, triune God to you we sing. What a beautiful, beautiful praise to offer to our God on this day. Listen to something that we learn about our God and hopefully again experience from our God this day. From the book of Micah chapter 7 it says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of your people? You do not stay angry forever but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our sins into the depths of the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. All of you gathered here in this place on this uh, wonderful opportunity and occasion to thank God. Those of you joining us through our cable broadcast or through the internet, a welcome to all of you as members, fellow members of the body of Christ here at St. Lawrence, but also to anyone who may be joining us as, as a guest, perhaps visiting from out of town, coming to see family, or whatever brings you here this morning. I don't know if you heard about the big doings that happened at the White House yesterday, that there was a death prevented. That which was slated for certain execution and death was stopped by what is called a presidential pardon. Did you hear about that? Meat popcorn. The National Thanksgiving Turkey. Popcorn and his uh, alternate stand-in backup caramel I guess those two go together, don't they? Caramel and popcorn. Anyway, popcorn was selected out of what turned out to be 8,000. But if you consider all the turkeys in the, the country or the world, for that matter, the odds are, are minuscule. But po popcorn and, and caramel were the lucky ones selected. On a turkey farm in Badger, Minnesota... Out of 8,000 chicks that were hatched in July, uh, a box or brood of about 80 were chosen at random by the owner of the turkey, turkey farm. And those 80 were, were set apart. And then after they got to be a certain age, there was some uh, testing, if you will, that was, was put on them in terms of exposure to all kinds of stimuli and, and children and uh, flashes and so forth. And from that 80, there was a, a group of 20 called the presidential flock that was selected. And um, as this select flock, they got, uh, well, let's just say they got special treatment. That's their turkey coop. More like a turkey dream house, you might say. Siding, bunting, railing, garland. The owner said his wife wanted him to make sure that it was cute, and uh, he did just that. These 20 turkeys were then raised in this place, apart from all the other turkeys. And then, on the basis of size, appearance, and ultimately, again, more socialization, 
two were selected, popcorn and caramel. And over the last few days, they made the 1,500-mile drive from Badger to D.C. in the back of a van where they were ensconced on cedar shavings. They spent a couple nights in a four-star hotel in D.C. where the turkey wranglers put in tarps on the floor and brought in sawdust so that the turkeys would feel right at home. And yesterday, about 1.30 in the afternoon, they made their appearance at the White House. And President Obama made his proclamation of pardon saying about popcorn that this bird has been granted a full reprieve from the cranberry sauce. And by the way, he did wish popcorn and caramel well. These two birds are now headed to Mount Vernon for the holidays and then to a farm in Leesburg, Virginia, where they will spend the rest of their years, well, maybe more like weeks or months, in freedom, having been pardoned from the turkey table. Well, you might say, hmm, another interesting use of tax dollars. Actually, I don't know who pays for all of that. I probably don't want to know, but Having said that, it does bring up the issue of the power that the President of the United States does have, not to pardon turkeys, but to pardon people, to pardon criminals. It's true. In fact, eighth graders, as you study the Constitution this year, if you haven't come to it already, you're going to find that in Article 2, Section 2, you can remember that to impress either Mr. Washer or whoever your teacher is about the Constitution. Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, it says this, the President shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States. It's as simple as that. There is no checks and balances on this. There is no oversight or review by the courts or by approval by Congress. The president has the power to grant pardons to criminals who have broken the federal laws of the United States. Some of the more notable pardons that have actually taken place... Well, George Washington, being our first president, was the first one to use the presidential pardon in which he pardoned about 20 people that were involved in what was called the Whiskey Rebellion of the, of the 1790s when some farmers and, and whiskey makers uh, rebelled against the federal government for the taxes that they were levying and broke some federal laws in the meantime. But that was just the beginning of the presidential pardon. Um, Maybe you recognize Brigham Young, the founder or leader of the Mormon church, but apparently had run afoul of some of the federal laws out in the territory of Utah, and therefore had committed crimes, but was also pardoned. Maybe you might recall Jimmy Hoffa. President Nixon granted him a conditional pardon, where he was able to be set free from some of the charges that he was facing if he swore an oath never to be part of organized labor again. Speaking of President Nixon, 
He maybe is the most famous or even infamous person to receive a pardon from President Ford for his involvement in the Watergate. And finally, the last picture that I have is that of Patty Hearst, who received a pardon in the late 70s and a a further pardon in 2001 for her involvement with that uh, infamous group of the Symbionese Liberation Organization. There have been literally thousands of people who have received pardons over the years. And in many cases, it's been understood and some would even say appropriate. For example, following the Civil War in an attempt to bring unity again to this country, many Confederate officials and officers from the Confederate Army were granted pardons of the, quote, crimes against the the Union. And so, unity was attempted to be restored in that way. In the 70s, there were mass pardons for many those who objected to service in the war by either being draft dodgers or otherwise. And again, for the sake of the country, pardons were granted to such individuals. But there have also been cases where it seems to be politics as usual. Backroom deals, political paybacks, and the so forth, where someone who makes a contribution here or there, or for some reason gets a pardon from crimes committed. I know. It's not fair, is it? That a person who is guilty as sin, who's been convicted, serving their punishment, or even before they do serve anything, receives a free pass. It's amazing. The power that the president has. He can either put off a decision about a a case or or a punishment. He can either grant a remission where the person doesn't have to pay the fine that they would otherwise have to pay. He can commute a sentence where he shortens the jail time or abolishes it altogether. Or he can grant what is referred to as a full pardon. This is what one Supreme Court justice had to say about the implications of the presidential pardon. Listen. A pardon reaches both the punishment prescribed for the offense and the guilt of the offender. And when the pardon is a full pardon, it releases the punishment and blots out of existence the guilt. So that in the eyes of the law, the offender is as innocent as if he had never committed the crime. In the eyes of the law, the individual is as innocent as if he or she had never committed the crime. Wow. What power. How much would something like that be worth? Isn't it amazing to think of? That just by saying the word, by making a proclamation, a person is made innocent who otherwise is guilty. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now or seen the connection 
between what we would have to be thankful for on this Thanksgiving Day, instead of focusing on a presidential pardon, do you see the connection with what the Almighty God has offered and continues to offer you and me? Micah said it like this. Who is a God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of your people. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our sins into the depths of the sea. In the eyes of God, it is as if the person had never committed the sin. It's not fair. How can somebody who is so guilty all of the sudden be just told, you're innocent, go? Well, in the case of a presidential pardon, it truly is unfair. Because when the president pardons someone, it means that whatever punishment had been meted out and whatever fines or or penalties had been imposed, they are simply waived. Nobody has to pay those things. Well, I guess you could argue and say it ultimately would come back to the taxpayer. But nobody has to do the time, nobody has to to finish the sentence for a pardoned criminal. But that's where there's a difference with the pardons that God offers. You see, God is a just God. He can't just say the word and make the offense, or at least the punishment for it, just vanish. No. That's not how true justice is done. Someone has to pay. Someone must suffer the consequences. And that's one of the reasons that we're here this day. To be reminded of exactly what God has done for us through the gift of His Son, Jesus. His blood shed for you. His life given in our place. He did the time. He paid the price. He suffered the consequences for our sins. And that's why God is able to say to us, you are pardoned, go in peace. We're free. In the eyes of God, it is as if we have not committed the sin. But what about our relationships with others and and in the world? Certainly a, a, a criminal who has received such a pardon from the president still has to deal with with some of the issues of unresolved business or or issues that were taken place because of the crimes. Certainly there's going to be a societal stigma or baggage that the individual carries. I I wouldn't really know what that's like. I know some have chosen to uh, flee the country, leave, just get away from it all so they don't have to deal with those constant reminders or, or the harassment of others 
How do you handle the fact that you are a pardoned child of God? It doesn't take away the fact that we still have broken relationships or that we've hurt somebody because God has pardoned us. We think everyone else should too, but it's not always that easy, is it? It's not always able to just walk out with a blank slate and and figure everybody's happy to see us again and there's no damage or harm done. No, in this world we have to deal with consequences of our actions, even if we are completely forgiven. And that's where God the Holy Spirit promises to give that wisdom, to give that grace, to give that patience, to give that humility that we may need to live as pardoned people. You see, we are free. But sometimes that freedom can be scary. Maybe that freedom can be too much. You see, there is a limit on a presidential pardon. It can't be effective unless the person who receives the pardon accepts it. Now that may sound silly. Who wouldn't accept a pardon to get out of jail free? But apparently it has happened. I don't know the details, whether the individual thought it was unfair or didn't want to deal with the responsibility of having been pardoned, but President Calvin Coolidge apparently had issued a pardon in his day, and at first the individual refused to leave prison. And so President Coolidge said to the warden of the prison, he said this, remove this individual immediately from your prison, and then, quote, lock the doors behind him. Don't let him back in. You know, being pardoned by God may feel like that sometimes. We may have it convinced in our lives that we have to do penance before God for something that we have done or something that we've left undone. That it would be completely too unfair. Yes, God forgives us, but for what we've done in this particular case, We may feel better living in our own self-made prison of guilt. And yet on this day, we need to hear again the power of Almighty God through Jesus who says, you are set free. You're pardoned. It's as if the sin has not been committed. Go. Live to the glory of God. Deal with the brothers and sisters around you. Deal with the consequences. I'll be with you for that. And also consider the fact that you have the opportunity to pardon those who have sinned against you. Jesus talked about that, didn't he? The man who had been forgiven literally millions and millions of dollars, and yet when he came across his buddy who owed him 50 bucks, he couldn't, he couldn't pardon him. How selfish we can be at times. And yet God grants us the grace to say, don't you realize what you've been forgiven? What you've been pardoned your very life? 
And yes, you do have the grace to pardon your brother or sister. Thanksgiving, thankful for the pardons we receive. Thankful for the pardons that we can give. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.